I, I, Wednesday night I, I spoke um, <clears throat> about bitterness, and I know uh, we were blessed. Brother Abraham Mammon used uh, that, and I mentioned uh, some of those things that he did. And I, as I begin to study, I, I know we are growing apostolic legacy. And I really wanted to talk about how basically to go from being offended and not allow things to get into our spirit and get bitter and to move toward forgiveness. And I I didn't feel like, uh, you know, I know uh, we heard from uh, Pastor Mammon that bitterness is bad. You've heard it from me. I taught uh, Wednesday night, and you can, if you weren't here, you can read that lesson, and and uh, you can know that it is horrible to get bitter and allow bitterness to take root, and how damaging it can be. It can, uh, you know, actually stop the grace of God because of your lack of forgiveness. And we went through that, brother Mammon went through it. It is. Uh, so deadly. It was uh, really what happened at first Cain. It led to the murder of Abel was his bitterness, his anger, his frustration. And then when you kind of go forward, most of things that you hear and read and, you know, it started off with somebody, you know, getting mad and getting angry and someone saying or doing something to someone. And you see it, uh, you know, and uh, even on sports fields and they will tell you, you know, somebody slap somebody and then the next player that got slapped he gets mad and he punches and somebody else punches back and usually they say it's the second one that ends up getting the penalty or the flag and uh, it's uh, it's easy to get provoked in this hour easy to get angry easy to get offended easy to have all of that so how do you move from offense to forgiveness and I found this statement and uh, saw this precious young child who said, I'm offended that you're offended by me taking offense at your offensive offensiveness that offended me offensively. Now, if you can untangle that, you can realize where we are in 2023. Because people are on the edge of being offended at your offensiveness that is offensive and it's offending me offensively. And I realize that that's an hour. And what's amazing is that in the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, David started out in the 55th Psalm and he starts a prayer that is amazing. And he talks about, give ear to my prayer, O God. Listen to me. Don't hide yourself from my supplication. Listen, I, I mourn in my complaint and make a noise. He was talking about being extremely <coughs> distraught because, and, and here's what he said, because of the voice of the enemy. 
the oppression of the wicked. They cast iniquity on me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me. Terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Oh, I wish I could escape. Now, I know we've never felt those things. I'd like to just get away. In fact, Southwest Airlines, for those of you who may not know it, have capitalized on that spirit. And they, every once in a while, advertise getaway fares on their airlines. Just get away. Just get up in a plane and leave your troubles behind unless they're sitting in the seat next to you. and get away somewhere. And everybody wants to get away. Everybody likes to get away. I like to get away. Everybody, there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation and I want to have a getaway place. I wish I had the wings of a dove and I could fly away and be at rest. And most of the time when we get away, we find ourselves busier and spending more and getting more in debt and at it and coming back and having to unpack and unload and rewash clothes. And anybody? No? That's, but that's the woman's job, so thank the Lord. I don't have to worry about that. And if you rent a place like a room or a thing, well, then you have to, you know, you pay a lot of money for that. If you don't rent a place, if you go into someone's house, well, you still got all the travel time and the headache and you still have all of the frustration of dealing with traffic and cost and then you help clean and do. If they're plucking chickens, you got to pluck chickens with them. If they're killing hogs, you got to help kill hogs and well you got to do whatever they're doing because you're at their mercy huh you're staying with them so then you balance out you know I've had people say I want my own place I want my own I understand all that but he said I want to escape I want to be at rest Oh, lo, would I wander far off if I could just pull the covers over my head and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from that windy storm and tempest. I know probably most of us have never felt like, oh, if I could just get away, if I could just... But you keep reading in that song, and I didn't, I didn't write all the verses, but you get down to verse 12 of that same chapter, and then he's finally brutally honest. And he said, it is not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have taken it. And that's what's immediately kind of funny is, I, I, this wouldn't hurt so bad if... Yeah, but it hurts. <laughs> And I don't care what if you put on there. Right now what I'm feeling is overwhelmed. 
And you say, well, if I hadn't done so much for him, if I hadn't prayed so much, if I hadn't given so much, if I hadn't spent so much time, and if I hadn't done what I'd done, and if I, then it wouldn't hurt. Well, let me just tell you, but it still hurts. I'm offended. Offense has happened. He said, and, and he makes the statement, if it was an enemy, I could have taken it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself. I I could have hidden myself from him. But it was thou, a man my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, walked under the house of God in company. So it was somebody that was close to him, somebody. And that's true. For all of us, you have to be honest. Most of us are not offended by what the politicians did in Washington yesterday or didn't do. We might have been disgusted about it, but we weren't offended by it. We don't even know those folks, most of them. But My wife can offend me. My children can offend me. My husband can offend me. My daughter, my son, my, huh? Somebody in church can offend me if they don't shake my hand and greet me. Somebody that comes into the house of the Lord with me. I can, oh, I can get offended. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, if somebody sits too long at the green light, they can offend me. And if somebody doesn't hurry up and turn or they don't use their blinker, what, what, what? You don't have, look, right here on the side, you can just put blink, 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 blink. Where did you learn to school? Joe's driving shop? Bill needs to be sued. Joe needs to be fired. I put this statement here. Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. (laughs) The angrier you get, guess what it does? (laughs) To them, nothing. To you, And so this is why we have to learn how to forgive and why we must forgive and why we have to move from offense to forgiveness. You say, well, pastor, and I read Wednesday night that the Bible talks about many shall be offended and we know that's one of the signs of the last day is that many shall be offended. John describes this uh, statement and, and, and I was reading it and I realized, you know, this is really what happens. It's like he that saith, he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. And what that means is, I don't know if how many of you, you know, got dressed this morning and in the dark and how many of you brushed your teeth in the dark and shaved your face in the dark and put on your tie in the dark, combed your hair in the dark, fixed yourself up in the dark, Probably not many of us because we're trying to, you know, was all my hair in place and is that combed over and did I get all that part of my beard shaved? Is my tie straight? Huh? 
I'm looking at myself. And yet when you hate your brother, guess what you are? In the dark, you never see. It's like getting dressed in the dark. The more you dislike someone else and the more you're offended by someone else, you never see me. In fact, when you, he that loveth his brother abideth in light and there's no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walks in and knoweth not whither he goeth because darkness hath blinded his eyes. Have you ever noticed that offended people are the most easily And they are also the most offensive because they can't see themselves. All they see is somebody else. It's like the story of the moat and the beam in the eye and all of that that Jesus told. And he said, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. What are you saying? I am saying in this hour, we have got to figure out that, you know what? I must forgive. It was part of the Lord's prayer. Forgive us this day our trespasses, our debts, our sins, our wrongs, our mistakes, our failures. And I I mentioned that Wednesday, the importance of maintaining, not only being able to forgive yourself, but also being able to live in a state of, I have to somehow have forgiveness because the more I don't have forgiveness and the more I can't let it go, the more it destroys me. And this is an hour when people are on the brink of of constant sense of of being uh, offended. And and unfortunately, because of the quickness of of social media and and so forth, they could put something on and then broadcast to everybody and everybody is upset and angry. And so I I thought, well, I want to look at, it's a very familiar story. Well, most of us all know it and we've all studied it and, and it's, not a, it's not a deep thought. It is the story of really one of the guys that could have been offended by more than anything was this young man by the name of Joseph. And, and you realize how what Joseph's journey was. Genesis, the 37th chapter, starting at verse 17. And and the man, Joseph, was sent on an errand by his father to go and check on his brothers and bring them some stuff and do a good deed. And he went and he could have easily, he went to a city by the name of, of uh, I think it's Dothan, and, and he could have said, hey, my brothers aren't here. I'm going home. I don't want to have to go chase them down. They're out with the animals somewhere. I'm not going. But he went, and, and his brothers, and the man told him, well, your brothers were here, but they've all moved on down, and they've all, they've gone on somewhere else. And so Joseph went after them, and the Bible says that when they saw him coming afar off, even before he got near them, even before he got in their presence, they decided to kill him. That's a nice family, isn't it? 
That's, that's what you would go, this is dysfunctional indeed. And then they used a very harsh, if you will, jeering comment about him. They called him the dreamer cometh. Now, could Joseph help it that he had dreams? As a kid, I tell my grandchildren, I told my children, you can't help what you dream unless obviously that you watching something, doing something that you shouldn't be thinking of and doing. Part of my blessing, Dalton, was, you know, we added that little phrase at the end. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you, give you pieces, peace and pieces of eight, and make you have no bad or sad dreams. That was the next phrase, no bad or sad dream. Because kids, can they help it? Can you help what you're dreaming? You know, I mean, obviously our brains wired and they get, you know, uh, if you try to read the word before, it can help. But you can't help what you dream. You can come up with a dream and you can think, I, I, I think I know where part of that came from and I don't know where the other. And have you ever awakened and tried to figure out, well, where in the world did that come from? I know I was thinking about Susie Q that, you know, had uh, tripped and fell, but I dreamed about Bill doing, uh, driving his car off the, you know, and you're like, I'm trying to figure it all out. And yet, what Joseph did was he just tried to share his dreams with his family. Here's what I dreamed. Hey, guys, here's what I dreamed last night. I dreamed this and I dreamed that. And you know what? It made them so mad. We don't, I know his dad got him a coat that was a royal coat that made him like he was, a, you know, great. And, and we, we know the story. I, I'm, I'm not preaching about anything y'all don't know about. Everybody here knows the story of Joseph. He's, he's betrayed by his brothers. And finally, Reuben, one of them just says, Reuben it was, it says, look, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. I, and you would think that they would feel like almost that's worse. That we're going to sell him into a group that may torture, abuse, Misuse. I mean, I know Reuben didn't want the blood on his hands, but it's like, look what you're putting me to. And it's like, we'll send him out of here, we'll sell him, and however they treat him, mistreat him, use him, abuse him, it's off. Uh, we don't have to think about it anymore. We don't even have to let it pass through our mind anymore. That's how caring his family was. You, you think he should be offended by that? And then he gets a job with a guy that buys him, buys him as a slave and he proves himself and he does good and years go by. And unfortunately, he's a good looking guy. He grows up and he's strong. I don't know if he worked out at, you know, the gym or what, but he's pretty buff. I don't know how Potiphar looked. 
But you all know the story. Potiphar's wife thinks, hmm, he's a slave. It'll be all right. I can invite him into my bedroom. And do you know that this young man who should have, he, he was, he, he just knew I cannot allow that to happen and sin against God and Potiphar. I have to maintain my integrity. What a powerful, and, and why didn't he cross his arm and say, well, God, you didn't protect me from my own brothers. And this is the religion my dad had and my brothers have. They act like they're so holier than thou. Look what they've done to me. Forget them all. Huh? And it wasn't Joseph's fault. He didn't. There's no record that he was trying to in any way woo Potiphar's wife. In fact, when she grabbed hold of him, he ran. Then she lied. And Potiphar had him thrown in jail, which we know probably meant that Potiphar didn't believe her story because as a slave, guess what he could have done? You're dead. I own you. I bought you. You're paid for. I mean, I'll just be candid with you. If I have a tool and it's shocking me every time I pick it up I'm tossing it I bought it and for them slaves were just tools not agreeing with that philosophy I'm not saying it's a good one but I'm telling you he had the power to kill him but he didn't and so he throws him in jail. Now, you know, in jail you meet all sorts of wonderful people, I'm sure. And he met a couple of guys in jail. And they got to talking. And time goes by. And they started whatever. And, and you all know the story. This is, you know, we, we tell the story. We preach the story. Teach the story. And, and, and it's a cupbearer and that and, and brings the wine and a baker. And they're all talking. And both one of them comes up. Both of them come up. And they go, we got a dream. And they have a dream. One of them sees birds picking at the grain over his head. The other one sees grapes and bringing it to the guy. And Joseph says, Hey, three days, you're going to be back before Pharaoh. Three days, sorry, you're going to be dead. And he tells the cupbearer, please don't forget me when you come back to Pharaoh. I want you to be, just remember me. And the cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh and guess what he does? Forgets him. Now, you read in Psalms, just to sort of backtrack, that Joseph was put in leg irons when he went down into Egypt. He was a slave, folks. This wasn't like da 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 In fact, the Bible says that God used those leg irons to weld something into him. 
I don't like my life. I don't like what I'm going through. It's offensive to me. I'm offended by it. Let me tell you, Joseph, what about it? Why don't you resent everybody? And the cupbearer forgets him and, and not a week, not six months, but two years go by and he's there in jail. And then finally Pharaoh had the dream and Pharaoh begins telling the story about his dream and he brings in people and the the magicians can't figure it out. And finally the cupbearer goes, oh, you, you know what? There was a guy down in jail and he could interpret dreams. And you know the story. Pharaoh calls for him and Joseph cleans up and he goes in to see the Pharaoh and tells him about the bounty and then the coming famine. And basically Pharaoh says, well, I need to put someone in charge and guess who he decides to choose is Pharaoh, is Joseph and Joseph becomes a second in the kingdom and Joseph is overseeing all the taxing of the bounty and people don't mind paying the taxes and the grains because he's built storehouses and it's just a brilliant God-ordained thing and here's Joseph and he, they actually let him get married to the high priest's daughter, which was, you know, politically, you know, up high in the government. So Joseph goes from being a slave, being Potiphar, being sold by his brethren, to rising to being the second in command. In fact, he's wearing Pharaoh's ring, and he's now in total charge of all the monies of the land of Egypt. At that time, one of the most powerful governments in all the world. And in Genesis, the 41st chapter, Joseph has two children before the famine came. So in that seven years of plenty, grain is coming in, people are excited. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. In other words, He had reached the point where he said, Lord, you have taken all of that hurt, all of the stuff that was done to me, all the stuff that was done by Potiphar's wife. Oh, I let me just tell you something. Joseph had command of a tremendous army. His folks were only a few hundred miles north. Me, once I got that, I would have said, I need about a thousand soldiers. We're going to go north and we're going to show my brothers a thing or two. Miss Potiphar, I need you to come to the palace. You lying hussy. Huh? I'm going to string you from the 70-foot gallows 
later that Mordecai, you know, was supposed to swing. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. I'm getting you back. My day has come and I am. Vengeance is mine, thus saith pastor. Huh? Oh, you lied to me? You, I know what, you guys sold me into slavery? You don't even know if I'm alive. I am going to bring a thousand soldiers and we are going to literally wipe you off the face of the earth. But that wasn't in his spirit. It was, Lord, you've made me forget. He had another child and named it Ephraim. And he said, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I I want you to recognize two important things in those two statements of the names of his children. You know who is there? G-O-D. If you are going to ever be able to have forgiveness, you've got to remember G-O-D. God knows where I am. God knows what I'm going through. God is in control. It's not my vengeance. It's God's vengeance. I'm sorry. I am not going to go chasing after him and right every wrong and get rid of every issue because I still am a child of the king. I belong to God. God is the one that is able to take control of my life. He is able to lead and guide and protect and you see you you, you realize that Joseph finally before during the years of plenty Joseph got it out of his system and then you know what it wasn't too long as the famine progressed remember the story let me read you verses and I know my time uh, y'all know this story better than I do but uh, Joseph uh, his brothers came to him and Joseph's brothers didn't know it was Joseph and they came and they bought grain, remember? Because they were starving to death. <laughs> Serve you guys right. way you treated me? <laughs> don't think I'm giving you any grain. I know who you are. You don't know me. Now, gave them grain. Did all of that. Set it up. Was trying to see if they would have forgiveness and mercy, gets Benjamin down, puts Benjamin's cup in. They still don't know who it is when they come back. And I'm sure they had enough grain to last a few months, six months. I mean, you know, it's like they could travel to Egypt. Don't you think Joseph could have traveled north to get them? They don't, they come once and then he knows this is going to last seven years. They may not come back this year, but next year they'll be back. Sure enough, next year, here they come. 
with their mules and they're ready to go and we need grain and they've now brought Benjamin and they had to promise dad and, and, and then he tries to make them be jealous of Benjamin like they were jealous of him and he, he you know he, you read the story he heaps up steaks he puts seven steaks on Benjamin's plate and one steak on each of their plate and he puts seven helpings of mashed potatoes on Benjamin's and one helping on theirs and he puts he just he loads them up to see what they'll say. And then he rigs it where Benjamin is caught taking his cup and it's in Benjamin's sack. And he says, we're going to kill Benjamin. And they still don't know who it is. And, and he sees that some of their natures have changed and they're ready to say, oh no, take me. Our dad couldn't handle it. Please don't allow Benjamin. Benjamin didn't do it. I promise. And so some of them step to the plate and show kindness to Benjamin. And so finally Joseph reveals to his brothers, and here it is in the 45th chapter. He says, come unto me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not, don't be depressed. Don't be angry with yourself that you sold me for God did send me before you to preserve life. I'm not talking about if you're not obeying God and you think, oh, well, it's God's will that I, you know, I'm disobeying God. I, I, know, I know better than to drive 150 on the freeway and I do it and police pull me over and throw me in jail and I say, well, God must have wanted me in jail. No, 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 no. God didn't want me in jail. I drove 150. I knew better than to do that. I, was, I broke the law. I'm not talking about that. But Joseph knew he hadn't done anything wrong to his brothers. But somehow he still believed God is in control of my life. God sees. We know now because of the word that God knows how many hair I have. God knows everything about my physical body. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what cancer cells or what other cells are going on in my body. He knows what's going on. And Joseph says to his brothers, God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither Neither, neither uh, uh, be uh, hearing, uh, earing, or or harvest. And God, again, God sent me before you to preserve you, uh, to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your life by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me, but God. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh. He said, Pharaoh looks at me like his dad and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. When you decide you're going to forgive, you have to make some conscious choices. Joseph 
chose to acknowledge God in everything that there was. He chose to live in the present, not in the past. He chose to bring those near that had been offensive. He remembered that in in any injustice, God is present. I don't care what somebody else has done to you. They may have disobeyed God. Joseph's brothers weren't being good. In fact, then you have to choose to bless those that have wronged you and not retaliate even later. One more slide. At the end of his life, his dad dies. And you know what? His brothers are still dealing with what they know they did to him. They can't get over it. And they get scared. The end of Joseph's life, they come and they say, Joseph is going to hate us and he's going to get back for all the evil that we did to him. And they said, they sent a messenger and they had the audacity to lie about what their dad said which we have no record that their dad ever said this. That their dad, wait a minute, before dad died, he said to make sure you love us. I probably would have been so frustrated with him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You're just trying to save your own hide. You're just worried about me killing you. And Joseph said, they said, forgive the trespass of your brother. They couldn't see the forgiveness was there. And you know what they did? Once more time, just like they had done when they came begging grain, they fell down and worshiped Joseph. Just like the dream. Go ahead, the next slide. There, there it is. That's it. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God. Notice who's the central theme of his talk. So, oh. Well, he was real spiritual. He didn't have the Holy Ghost. He hadn't repented. He hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name. But he said, I'm not God. And he said, but as for you, you thought evil against me. You you weren't doing this out of kindness. You didn't send me down here to save you. I know that. I know what you did was wrong. Joseph wasn't Naive, He didn't think, oh, my brothers planned this whole thing to get me into Egypt. He said, I know you did evil. But guess what? God meant it for good to bring it to pass this day that many people would be saved. Fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones and comfort them and speak kindly to them. It's almost adding insult that those that forgive 
have to be merciful and kind to those that did them wrong. Have you ever found that to be true? People do you wrong, and guess what? It falls on our shoulders to say, I love you. It's all right. I know you you meant wrong by it, but I forgive you. I want to nurse. You know why? Because they don't see God in their life. For us, we have to learn how to forgive as Christ forgave us because Satan's biggest lie is God doesn't care about what you're going through. He doesn't care about where you are. But I'm here to tell you God knows exactly where I am, what I'm going through, and he is able to bring healing and peace and fall, and he's able to bring mercy. Whatever you do, you cannot let it get in your spirit and get bitter. You have to bring it back to the altar. You see, if I'm hurt, they have a saying in psychology, hurting people do what? Hurt people because they don't get mercy. They don't get forgiveness like can't put your hand too close to them they'll bite it off (laughs) but you know and I've heard people say yeah but you don't know what they did they don't deserve forgiveness they don't deserve to be you know what hallelujah line up here none of us deserve the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God it's not about what they deserve It's about, I don't want to drink that poison and let it get in my spirit. Oh, I know. I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever been offended. I'm not going to ask if anybody's ever had to choose forgiveness. But I'm here to tell you, that's the only way you're going to make it in this hour. Oh, would you stand? We're going to just ask the Lord.